0: Hello, I'm Dara Weekly, and welcome to episode forty-six of the Weekly Weekly podcast. Um, you may be hearing uh, new music there today. Uh, it's actually uh, Calvin Doyle, who was on episode six. Uh, he's coming up actually on Wednesday evening uh, for our live uh, segment. But he, I, I gave him the chord uh, sequence for the for the song that I do for the uh, for the intro, and I had heard Calvin was doing some really good synth kind of music and beats and things. So I asked him to do a little bit of a remix on it and he's uh, he's provided for us so thank you very much to Calvin for that. Uh thanks to everyone else for for all their uh, support during the week and for listening to Kieran's episode. Um it was funny Kieran sent me a message uh, a couple of days after and he had a new uh, sorry another appearance on a podcast up in Dublin and it was called First exchange. I just had to look at it. and uh, it was really good. It was really fun. And he was actually in the studio and he was standing up for the whole interview and they thought it was hilarious because he was so full of energy. So go and listen to that if you can. I think it's episode 56 of the, of the first exchange. Um, yeah. Like I said, thank you for all your support and all your likes and, uh, you know, your shares, things like that. Uh, just still doing the Sunday live, doing the live and joyful thing on, on Instagram. We did one last night or sorry, I say last night, but it's actually Monday now. So it was Sunday night and uh, it was with uh, Tina Kiernan and um, we chatted about why people get joy from getting their hair done and it was a good chat and I have a big background in uh, hairdressing because of my dad and it was really interesting to talk but anyway I think I've covered all bases there. Um, So my guest today is a senior clinician in Jigsaw and her name is Nicola Glynn. How are you Nicola?
1: I'm good Derek, how are you?
0: I'm very well thank you very much. Um, I'm full of... Uh, the joys of winter if that's not a, that's not a saying but you know what i mean it's not it's a nice day out i suppose maybe that's what it is
1: it's a fine day all right yeah uh.
0: <laughs> um so listen we'll get into it so uh, give us a short history of your upbringing please nicola
1: so i suppose i was thinking about this and i couldn't help but think like there's there's it's very underwhelming i mean i suppose i <laughs> i four siblings um grew up in in the country like mm. country country and um, and I suppose where we were, it was very much a case of like, if you weren't, if you didn't get along, you had no one to talk to. So mm. because of that, then we were a really close family. We we're very close siblings. Well, there's only two years between all of us and it goes um, boy, girl, boy, girl. Right. So we were like extremely organized parents. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was just kind of, I think like every country upbringing mm. with a heap of siblings, you just had the crack and went to school and came back and I honestly was trying to think about it. I was like, was there anything sort of out of the norm? But I really don't think there was.
0: Well, look, this is this is a funny thing about because and I said this before, and some people will talk about it for, you know, 30 seconds, and then some people will talk about it for five minutes. And I I guess the thing is, like, maybe the shorter it is, um, the more kind of nicer of a childhood it was. Does that make any sense?
1: It does, yeah. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it, too. As well, (laughs) that you know, if you don't have a whole pile to say about it, surely there was, as 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 I'm saying, there was nothing eventful about it, but not in a bad way. Yeah, it was just a normal, calm, loving, lovely upbringing.
0: (laughs) That's that's you can't ask for more than that. And what so when you say country, are you from? Are you from Westmead?
1: No, I'm. uh, I'm from Galway. OK. Um. so, like, I would always say that, like, I'm from my closest town, but I'm actually from like a village outside the town because nobody knows the village, but yeah. everybody knows the town. So I always just say, you yeah, know, I'm from uh, from there. And then it saves me having to explain all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as
1: I'm doing right now.
0: <laughs> as you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, that's understandable. Uh, so when did you first become aware of mental health?
1: This is the other one when uh, we were chatting before and you were just giving me a heads up, I kind of had a giggle to myself because I was like, do you know what the ironic thing is? I think I became more aware of mental illness before I became aware of mental health. Yeah. So my mom trained as a psychiatric nurse and when we were growing up um, I have these really vivid memories of like every Sunday morning, like the four of us would go down to mom and dad's room and we'd all like we play charades and we play games and like it was sort of like We'd interrupt their lying, but uh, you know we'd all be in the room together. But like, ma'am, every now and then, because we'd do something, we'd say something. She was like, "I remember there was this patient on the ward, and she'd always talk about like the clients that she looked after, and you know the characters that they were, and some of the, I suppose what you consider odd things that they would have done." Mm. But I always remember just listening, fascination, and just thinking, "God, that's that's brilliant. I love that someone did that, and I, I love that somebody was a bit odd like I was." and you know, it's like growing up, I was a, I was a bit of a daydreamer. I probably mm. still am in some regards. And like when mom would be talking about these people, I'd be like, oh, there's there's a place where we all hang out. I was like, you know, this is great. I was like, I want to get in on that. Mm. So, um, Yeah, so I suppose the concept, like I say, a kind of mental illness, but it was never referred to as that. And mom never spoke about it in a negative way or in an unknowing way. I suppose because she trained in it too as well. But like even when you'd be walking down the street or anything, and you know you'd see you'd see people chatting away to themselves, or you know they might have a bit of an odd behaviour or that. But like, Mam never passed a blind bit of heed on it, and if you had any questions, she would always just sort of play it down and just be like, "But shoot, that's just the way they are. There's nothing wrong with it. That's that's just something they do." Yeah. So growing up, I was never worried about it. I was never afraid of it. I never considered it to be anything out of the norm. I just figured that they were just. Other people, they just did, you know. I say they all the time, but I mean, I suppose I'm talking about more like institutionalized, yeah. because where I grew up, there was the the state hospital that was there for for years. And obviously, if if we haven't gleamed already, I'm from Banffslo, so like Bridget's there. So you you would see a lot of people around the town a lot of the time, and you know, because they were of that generation too as well, they were they would have had quite chronic mental illness. Yeah. So like yeah, for me kind of growing up like mental illness was a thing and there was like I never thought anything about it. And it was only kind of when I started working in jigsaw the concept of mental health yeah came yeah. into play. And I was like, Oh I was like, oh, there's there's a few different versions out there as well. And I suppose once it all got explained, I was like, Oh, that that makes sense now. Why didn't I ever think of that before? So for me yeah. it kind of went the other way around.
0: Yeah. I, I do I do think that people aren't quite um I suppose knowledgeable when it comes to the differences between the two, you know, the mental health and the mental illness, because there is obviously a, a large difference between the two, and and I'm sure we we'll get into that um in a bit. And and so is it because of your mom then that you got into uh you know the idea of becoming a mental health nurse?
1: Well. That's another thing I was thinking about. I was doing a lot of thinking over the weekend. you might have gathered. So I, did, I was going on a walk and I was thinking, about, I was like, how on earth did I stumble into mental health nurse? And I was like, Jesus, I can't remember how it was at all. So I had to go back in time. And I actually originally wanted to be a fashion photographer. Oh. So like my mom is is also a dressmaker. So like fashion and style, all that was very much a big part of us growing up to So I was always into it. And I really loved photography so I remember mom asking me I think I was in fifth year and she was like right so what do you want to be when you grow up and I was like I want to be a fashion photographer she's like oh right and her face just fell and two days later I was booked in with a career guidance person over in Lockeray <laughs> so I was like ah I was like I don't, uh, I don't know if my choice has really gone down well <laughs> so yeah. went over I think that lady's still in Lockeray she was lovely and um, kind of somebody who even for adults and stuff like that she kind of helps guide you um, and gives you information on different careers and careers paths so went over to her had really long chat anyway and I think thinking back now and knowing what I know was probably like personality tests and stuff like that that she did and asked me like what were my strengths what did I enjoy all that kind of stuff and by the end of it anyway she kind of come up with the umbrella of like allied health professionals and I knew nothing about this so I was like all right okay I was like so what's this now she's like so there's like occupational therapy there's a speech and language therapy there's nursing there's all these different kinds of things and I was like well I don't know what an OT does so like what's that so she explained what they did and I was like that's it I was like I want to be an OT I was like I'll have a bit of that so went home got out the NUIG prospectus saw OT saw the points and went oh no 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 that's not happening at all (laughs) it's like oh no it's like you know I'm clever I'm not that clever so I mean like back then I think the points were up in like the 560s 570s like they were all cat yeah I was like yes I was was like that's that's definitely not happening so I was like okay I was like sure sure let's look at nursing then so I looked at general nursing I was like well that's definitely not happening either points wise and then I looked at midriffy And I was like, oh, I I actually really, really wanted to uh, go to Midwifery or or pediatric nursing. No go either, because the points were astronomical. And I think at the time it's because Galway had just started the Midwifery course and they had just created like a four year um, degree course that like once you were done, you were done. Whereas before it would have been that you go do general nursing for four years and then you do an add on to do Midwifery or peds. But now they had just kind of created a specialty for a midriffy. And uh, yeah, the points were like up in the five somethings again. So I was like, hey, no, no, no. So then I looked at psychiatric nursing. I was like, oh, I think I can get that. I was like, like, cool, cool. I was like, sure, sure, look, we'll look at psych nursing. And I looked at all the, the syllabus and the modules and everything that was involved in the course. And I was like, actually, this is something that I think I'll be really, really interested in. Because obviously there was like the biology side of it and I was really interested in that. And then obviously it's kind of all the psychology side with that I didn't realize I was so interested until I started it. So I went into my career guidance teacher in school and sat down with her. And I don't know if any of your listeners went to the same school as me, but her name was Mrs. Dolan and she was, she, she was a unique teacher and uh, sat down opposite her and she was just like, right, Nicholas, what do you want to do now when you leave school? I was like, I think I want to do psychiatric nursing. And she put out her hand, she was like, oh my God, Nicholas. I think that's a perfect job for you. <laughs> I remember thinking, I don't know if her career guidance is supposed to be that biased about yeah. something. So I was like, okay. And she goes, um, if I had a loved one and I had to bring them into Bridget's and you were the one looking after them. Oh, I just, I'd be so happy about that. Oh, ah, that's like, nice. I was like, all right, that'll do so. Yeah. I was like, that was kind of, I was like, that was sort of the finish of it then. I was like, right, I'll stick down psych like nursing. And so went through with it and started it and absolutely loved it. So I was delighted with my choice. I really was like in yeah. the end
0: you um uh, because i was obviously i was reading up on your I found the information on instagram but you worked for over 10 years as a a, is that right yeah and you worked in you worked in loads of different kind of um areas um Mm -hmm. could you explain could you tell us some of those and i suppose kind of the the differences in those for 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 you
1: Okay, well, I suppose, like, like, I would always consider my placements as as my experience too as well. So I, I kind of varied anything from adolescent, like, I actually nearly went right through the whole time span, I suppose, if I think about it, because, like, I would have done adolescence, so I would have done placement in Taylors Hill, but I also worked with adolescents in Scotland and now in my job now. Mm. And then I suppose I go all the way down to, like, the geriatric side, which, like, forgive any older more mature listeners would it be 65 plus in that realm is considered geriatric (laughs) Um, obviously not everybody over 65 is geriatric (laughs) Um, so and kind of everything in between I would have gone from primary care secondary care community um Yeah, I would have done a few specialist areas then as well. I suppose when I worked in Aberdeen, I worked in the state hospital there as well. I love a good state hospital. And uh, so like within that hospital, there was like all different units then as well. They would have had a forensic unit and eating disorders, geriatric, um, acute geriatric, long stay, oh, uh, young adult, adult, acute, acute long stay, you know, kind of there was like there was everything basically in the one building which was good in one sense but then of course like there's just that's a lot of people in one area then too as well so I suppose for me obviously the age differences would have been the the most contrasting difference in working in those areas and I suppose presenting issues within those age groups too as well would be yeah. would be quite different and they're between primary and secondary so I suppose primary you're working in the kind of the hospitals, the the medical model and very much sort of diagnoses and care plans and everything like that. And then secondary would be where I am now. And it's more kind of that early intervention prevention. You're kind of trying to get in there before it becomes a bigger issue then as well. So I suppose more than timelines, I've actually worked kind of through all the different spectrums then as well, going from like acute to community to early intervention then as well. So I've done now that I break it down, it's been quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, it's just because I saw the, the, you obviously listed what you did and I just saw the the amount of different things and like when you started and I know you said you went on your on your placement and stuff like that. Like, I suppose people have an idea of, of like a, a, men, a state hospital, you know, and. Uh, we all have an idea of our head of what we see through kind of media and things like that and it's obviously not the same thing as what we what we would believe it to be was there any times when you were in there where you felt that it, you may have made the wrong decision or was it always uh, the correct thing that you did
1: no that's that's really fascinating that you asked that because like the minute you started forming the question I was just like I think I know this going and immediate memory just popped to the front of my head and I was like Yes, I can remember a time when I was like, what on earth have I done? Yeah. <laughs> it was my very, very first day of placement oh. in first year. And I was in Bridget's and I had been allocated to the long stay Geriatric Ward. And I don't know if you know kind of the grounds of Bridget's, but hmm. I mean, it's terrifying. It's like, it's awful. I don't know why they haven't tried to do something to try and make it a little bit more appealing. But anyway, big grey buildings, you know, real joyful looking. And where I got dropped off. Like So I was only, what, 18? So I was getting a lift in and out of my place. And so where I got dropped off, I had to walk down this really long avenue. And like, you know, there's like dead trees and everything on either side. And you're walking down. I was like, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? I was like, I'm walking into an institution. I was like, what have I done? Walking in and then it was on the second floor. So I had to go up the stairs and it was a locked ward. So I had to like stand there. And I remember standing on the other side of the door with my hand held up as if I was going to knock and I was just stood there for ages I was like can't do this I "I can't it's like what have I done this is this is crazy what what am I doing because I could hear what was going on the other side of the door (laughs) I was like oh god and then of course the the threat and drive system going on it just uh, something happened and I just whacked on the door then so somebody came and let me in (laughs) Don't answer, yeah. Don't answer, please don't answer first so, first day yeah. yeah yeah it was it was really scary and then like but like do you know what once you got in there and you got like chatting to people and then I suppose the first day nerves of anything really too as well but i don't know i suppose there was like i think with any job there's always been moments where i'm like what what's the point like what am i doing and yeah. unfortunately because of like some of the system setups you'd actually like you could be working there a few months and you would have seen the same person come through the door three or four times. So it's like yeah. kind of that revolving door system that you people might have heard of. And I think in third year, I remember talking to my preceptor and I was just like, like, what's the point? I was like, you know, you're just seeing the same people day in and day out. And I was like, it's it's quite disheartening. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly what he said to me but he sort of alluded to the idea that like look you'll always have those people who are going to just constantly need support and he was like it's not that it's a bad thing he goes you know that actually here might be quite familiar for them and they get a lot of comfort Mm. coming back you know knowing that we're here and knowing that nothing really changes here that you know staff might be the biggest change but even at that there's not too much of it and he said you know it's for those people that are coming in all the time he goes yeah you look after them you mind them he goes but every now and then you get somebody who's new and will come in and will be really scared and he was like and you know those are the people that you really need to look after mm-hmm. and he goes you know so you kind of have to balance that that element of burnout in one way because you can kind of you know you're seeing all people same people the whole time but to not let that get to you too much because there will be a day when somebody will come in and they'll need you 100% to be mm-hmm. present for them then as well so it's kind of I suppose in a way he was, I suppose he was trying to maybe get through to me that it's all a balance and act and to, to try and mind your emotions through it all as well. But you yeah. know what, I don't think that's just in nurse, And I think that's across the board in in any kind of career where you're working with people then as well, because it takes a lot out of you. Like every time you have an interaction with someone, you're giving them a little bit of yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, when you're doing that day in and day out, like it's, you have to be so careful of us as to how much you give and, and the amount that you gave then as well, that there's, you've not left nothing for yourself at the end of the day. So
0: yeah, like, we, you know, in those, uh, cause 10 years is a long time to be working in, in, I suppose in, the, in that way. And did you find that like, it was a struggle not to take things home with you?
1: Oh, absolutely. God, hmm. uh, I think I'd be a robot if I wasn't taking yeah. things home with me then as well. Um, I suppose it's only with experience that i've been able to drop more stuff yeah in the workplace and walk away from it then as well but um yeah definitely in those first few years it was it was really tough and like i don't know now i i think there is more awareness um around minding student nurses um i know that like in jigsaw we've done a lot of work with the inmo um around uh self-care for student nurses and we're trying to get that rolled out to as well, kind of nationally amongst all the colleges and universities. But it definitely wasn't something that was present in my day anyway. Now, mm. I'm not saying I'm old and decrepit, but like you know, it's it feels like a long time ago. And yeah. the, the the best support that you got was kind of from each other. Um yeah. but even at that, like talking to each other is great, but it sometimes it can't move you forward. You mm. end up sort of like stuck with it. You're just like, Yeah, I've talked about it, but it hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's still it's still there so like in your preceptors would have been great but you know they're really busy too as well and they might have four or five other students that could actually be on the ward on the same day as you so yeah it's, it's time constraints it's availability all those kind of things it can be really tough but as I say now kind of as time has gone on getting a bit wiser learning a bit more and kind of um learn about boundaries was a yeah. big Part of it too, as well. I don't think that's that's something that's really spoken about in you know, a whole pile. Because I suppose the the idea is that like you're a nurse, you are there to look after that person, and they mm. get all of you for the twelve hours that you were in there, and that's it. And kind yeah. mean, of it took a long time for me to learn that. Oh no, 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 that's extremely unsustainable. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do that. No, no, <laughs> you have to look after yourself too, as well. So. Exactly,
0: exactly. Um, listen, I'm just going to get the ad in here real quickly, yeah. uh, Nicolette and we'll get back. Um, so. Fusion Training Center, monks and that loan, a place to train in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, martial arts and CrossFit. A great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community. If you want to join the team, find us on Facebook at Fusion Training Center or drop in for a chat. Fusion Training Center, train like a warrior. I kind of started that ad. You know You know when people, um, when they start singing a song, but they've already started at a range that's a bit too high. And you know when the course comes, they're going <laughs> to, I don't know what I did. <laughs> It was really strange. Um, I panicked actually after the first couple of lines, but um, let's get back okay, into it. Okay, you nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, Ta, thank you very much. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna, I, I want to talk to you about this because um, I did not know about this at all. So this, I'm going to ask you about perinatal um mental health. I said it a couple of times to 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 a couple of people um during the week, and they thought I was miss like not mispronouncing it, but thinking I was postnatal. Yeah. And they didn't, they, they again, they didn't know what it was. Could you explain that for us, Nicola?
1: So perinatal men, like, I suppose this is an area that's like, I'm still learning too as well. Like I do not claim to be an expert in, in it at all. Yeah. But for me, it was a thing that started, I suppose, during my own pregnancy. Uh, I had my first baby kind of Christmas Eve last year. So um, for me, it was a thing that, during the journey of pregnancy, there was a lot of things coming up for me, and I suppose I was like, I don't I don't know whether this is like the normal, and I put that in little air quotes. Yes. I don't know if this is the normal pregnancy hormones kind of playing up. Um, because to me, I suppose it's funny because the more people that I talk to in my own area that have had kids, they're just like, Do you know what? We're actually at a disadvantage because we know quite a lot. So, you know, the way they say knowledge is power. Yeah, I think knowledge can be a disadvantage at the same time, because for me, I was very much trying to weigh up. I was like, is this normal or is this something that's a bit more? And I was like, but if it is a bit more then what is it? Because nobody's ever told me. And I was like, you know, looking it up and stuff like that. And all, again, like that, all I was really getting was kind of the post, post, mm. post, post. And I was like, but like I'm not post. I'm in the thick of it. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what's happening. So for me I was I was doing a lot of thinking and I was like trying to figure it out so I paired it all back and for me and I actually did a a story and highlights and everything like that on my Instagram about this and I was like so you go back to your baseline so what's normal for me like if I wasn't pregnant or even in the early stages of pregnancy it was like what is my normal baseline and what's comfortable for me with regards anxiety or feeling low or things like that you know what's manageable what have I experienced before has it gotten this bad before have I come out of it okay you know trying to I suppose do a historic kind of assessment yeah. on myself if that if that's a, a right way of saying it and for me it was very much thing that I was like this doesn't feel normal I was like it really doesn't I was like it feels a lot more intense and I was like I get that it, like there's hormones bouncing around and all of this I'd like to say this is all going on in my head this narrative is just rolling around in my head I'm not actually yeah. saying this to anybody it's just to myself so I was like trying to think about it and trying to think about it, and I was like do you know what I was like I need to do something about this because I was like I can't I can't keep going like this I was like I'm growing a human I can't afford to to be stuck in this cycle of like feeling Mm. really anxious and really down all the time so I kind of started asking around I I was asking my sister my sister-in-law I was asking a few friends stuff like that I was like have you ever felt like this and the bit that just astounded was that everyone was like oh yeah yeah Mm. yeah and I was like but I was like but it doesn't feel normal. And they were like, no, no, it, no, it was the same for me. No, I didn't. It felt really, really intense. And, do you know, I actually st- like some people were saying that, you know, it, it it started and it never stopped. It went on through the whole pregnancy. And I was like, that must be awful. Like, you've got enough going on and then mm. you've got all this happening too as well. So I started um, looking into it a bit more and kind of research. And I was like, do you know what? I was like, what is going on here? I was like, because this is a whole thing that just does not seem to be talked about mm. at all. So i went in to my midwife and god bless her she entertained me um because i go in and like 10 minutes would have been spent talking about the bump and the little Mm. human and everything like that and then the other hour would have been spent like talking about mental health in pregnant people like what is going on it's all post there's nothing perry there's nothing like there didn't seem to be anything antenatal at all so she was kind of in agreement in that and Once we got down to the nitty gritty of it, I was like, right. okay. so my understanding was, is that, yes, there is a lot of things that happen postnatal. You hear a lot about postnatal depression and postnatal kind of anxiety and PTSD and everything like that. But for me, coming from an early intervention um, model, I was like, but if we like rewind what has been going on for the last nine months for all these pregnant people, because, you know, a lot of the research was just that it doesn't just boom, happen like a lot of it can be building up over the pregnancy but that it's not identified and that was the big piece too as well is that the identification of these issues is really difficult because it's marred with hormones stress everyday anxieties kind of those things and it it, the question was is it just heightened because you're pregnant or is Mm. this actually something that needs to be sort of diagnosed looked at and treated throughout the course of the pregnancy to try and reduce the incidences after pregnancy Mm. so of course my mind was like Blown. I was like, "What?" I was Like, I need to learn more about this. I was mm. like, "This is fascinating, but also quite worrying." Because I was like, There's babies born every seven minutes." I was like, "There are parents being born every seven minutes in Ireland." I was like, "Ah!" Oh. Like, this is just—it's ah. Oh. Like, <laughs> my brain was going crazy. Cause I was like, "This, there's, there's just this whole area that's mm. totally grey and not looked at." And I was like, "And then, of course, like." Being a mom and having just come out of it, I was like, my empathy just went through. the I was like, this is awful. I was like, if I felt this and my few close friends and family felt this, I was like, the nation has to be feeling it. And when I started up the Instagram page, I was like, it's not just the nation, it's the world. Because Mm. I got talking to people who are in Canada, who are in America, who are in England. And it was like, it was the same thing across the board. It was like, moms need to be looked after or pregnant people need to be looked after from the moment of conception through to the very end. And for at least a year afterward, if not more, too. Well, so yeah, kind of that whole perinatal thing. I was just like, "This is crazy." It's crazy.
0: it's it's really uh, it's amazing that I'm like I'm 38 now and I never heard the term before. I never heard it until I saw your uh, Instagram page, which is Mind Mama underscore IRL, for anybody who wants to go and look at it. So when I when I was going through it, then there was like there's so much to it because you talk about the challenges of the trimesters each trimester and like you're saying about um anxiety and and none of it is spoken about it's always spoken about the body changing like it's never about the mind changing and like it it's easy for me to say now because i know what it is like oh why isn't anybody thinking about the the mother's you know mental health but it's it's clearly something that hasn't been on the table at any point you know it's always like you said it's about post and we had you know grace we had grace on yeah. who did an amazing podcast about what happened after the pregnancy but i suppose maybe something was going on while she was pregnant and like you say maybe it's for all mothers so does things going on so what what are the what are the challenges then for for mothers then like uh, mental health wise through the the tri- each trimester
1: so i suppose i think there's there's challenges even before this I suppose again coming from like the early intervention model like I I always look at like time spans but even for parents who are trying to get pregnant I know you had Cormac on before as well like with IVF or fostering or anything like that that's happening it's it's about kind of looking after not only the young person or the baby or toddler or anything like that, but it's looking after the parent. Because if, if you can look after and support the parent, they then can feel empowered to look after and mind that child to the best of their abilities. And look yeah. at the end of the day, that's all we're all trying to do is our best. But you know what? We all struggle mm. and we all find it really difficult at times. So I suppose for me, when I was looking at the different trimesters, I was going back and like from the the, the first trimester, from like the first third month. For me, what I found really difficult was my energy levels dropping so rapidly and I had no control over this. So like I'd be getting ready to go to work and like physically to look at me, nothing had changed. Mm. So like 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 nobody would know I was pregnant or anything like that. I just looked as I normally do. But inside I was exhausted. Mm. I was so tired all the time. It really, really annoyed me. So, of course, I had all this frustration building up because the, the critic in me would be saying like, well, you should, like, you're fine. Just get on with it. Like you should be able to do this. You don't even have a bump yet. So mm. you should be able to, to get on with it. Like nothing is changing, yeah. but the more you break it down, you're just like, Oh wait, actually you're growing a tiny human. So it's like all your energy then gets like focused to this one part of your body. It's like, it's like, it's like sucking the energy from every part of you to this one specific place in your body. And like, everything just got affected then. So like going to work driving to work was just exhausting. Like I'd have an hour commute to work anyway. So like even that became really difficult. I'd have to take like a little 5-minute power nap before I'd go out the door to get in the car because obviously you yeah. don't want to be driving tired. It's very dangerous. So for me that was what kind of really hit me in the first trimester was like the tiredness levels and the way that affected my mental health was that I was getting really frustrated okay. because I couldn't do what I normally wanted to do. So already I was kind of like was this the best idea I was like, you know, so and like that's early on in the game but I was thinking yeah. so I was, like, hmm. I was like maybe not but kind of coming out from that and like you'd read all the books and they'd be talking about the physical change and stuff like that and that how tiredness would be a thing but I think the piece that was missing for me was that like yeah you can feel tired but that can lead to feelings of frustration of anger of like just getting a bit upset at times too as well because like you know you couldn't like I felt like I couldn't exercise the way I would normally do I couldn't really function the way I normally do I'd come home I'd be zonked whereas like you come home and you do all your jobs Mm. so that for me was was the piece of the mental health aspect from like the first trimester and the second one then like my tiredness kind of went away a little bit but then of course it was all like the physical things of feeling sick all the time and like I used to joke, and they'd say it in the films too, as well, like, all oh, morning sickness, but, mm. like, how it lasts all day. Yeah. So, of course, then, my appetite was affected. Mm. And then, of course, I was getting hungry, mm. And then, of course, I was like, no, I don't want to eat. And getting really annoyed because I needed food to get energy, to do the jobs that I needed to do. Yeah. Everything was just getting affected. And I was like, this is absolute shite. Excuse my language. But I was like, this is just, I was like, do you know what? It's hard enough mm. being pregnant. Why 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 does it have to be made even harder so kind of that was sort of the second trimester and of course like then like the body changes start the little bump starts coming clothes stop fitting then you're gonna have to go and buy a new wardrobe I was like, for fuck's sake i was getting really annoyed and then of course you go and you're trying to find some nice clothes to wear when you're pregnant do they exist no they don't exist <laughs> okay. i was like right and then of course like the three flights and three flights of stairs and work I'm gonna go up and down up and down I was like oh here "This good luck so then that was kind of the second trimester things were starting to settle I suppose physically I was getting into a rhythm of it and getting used to sort of having this lower energy and stuff and then the kind of the final trimester for me what really started to hit home for me was how everything was changing not only in my body but in my environment People started to look at me differently. People yeah. were acting differently toward me. I couldn't I couldn't enjoy the usual things. Like I, I did another bit on my page as well about like the social side of things. Mm. Like I had two weddings to go to. And I was just like, well, this is rubbish. <laughs> I was like, this is absolutely rubbish. <laughs> like sitting there and like these were two Irish weddings. So, you know, they were two day affairs yeah. and... Now, thankfully for one of them, it was very, it was quite close to my due day, So we just stayed the one night and then okay. left the next day. I was like, I'm not I'm hanging around for another <laughs> second day session. I was like, good luck. Yeah. So, but the other one, then, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, for me, it was that I just felt on the outside of mm-hmm. everything. And that group of friends that we would have been at for the first wedding, like they were all like they've all kind of recently gotten married. And they're just sort of starting on that journey. Whereas myself and my husband, we were kind of in the next yeah step I suppose in the traditional these are all in inverted little commas yeah all inverted in the traditional commas. timeline too as well so um like I I would be the first person in that group to be pregnant and you know they everyone's really nice like don't get me yeah. wrong like nobody was mean to me or anything like that but it was just those things that you would normally connect with people about were then gone or they mm-hmm. were changed and you in turn were treated Differently, not in a malicious sense, but it was very much the sense that, like, well, if they're not talking to me about being pregnant, they don't, they can't talk to me about anything. Yeah, yeah. you know. And for me, I was like, I haven't changed. I was like, I'm still the same person. I just have an addition in the belly. Mm. <laughs> like, That's yeah. all. But I don't know. For me, that was a really, really tough. Mm part of the pregnancy i mean a a word that kept coming back to me was just lonely i just felt so so lonely Mm. because my friends that i would have again either they felt like they had to talk to me about being pregnant or that you know they'd have to comment on it or acknowledge it in some yeah, way where yeah. i was very much the kind of person that i was like i don't want to talk about it i'm like i'm pregnant 24 7 talk yeah. about something else all, Yeah, yeah. Do you know I, but it's but it, then it was the thing that like but if they don't talk about it are they being rude yeah so that's it, I yeah kind of caught in that limbo do you know there was no there was no happy medium yeah I'd love
0: it. do you know what i i find uh, you know fascinating i, I suppose obviously a, a man couldn't understand it but the idea that you said there no but i mean i like i mean the idea that you said in the first trimester when all of your energy and thoughts are going into the little the little baby in you and you know it sounds tiring in in just in just the words you know i think it's um it's something that i've never thought about in that sense obviously i i understand that some someone who's pregnant is obviously thinking about the child all the time but just all the thoughts and energy going into it, it just, like i can understand why exhaustion would be would be a factor do you know and mm-hmm. like when it, when it, with something like anxiety then does that does that build as as the well, i suppose it's different for everyone but, but would that build as the pregnancy goes on
1: I would say, I would say it's very individually based yeah. too as well. Cause like you have people who are just naturally just more anxious, mm. you know, that's just their natural state. And, you know, they might actually handle the anxiety of pregnancy really well Yeah, because that's, that's normal for them. That's, that's their baseline, shall we say. Um, but for me, I suppose kind of my anxiety would be, you know, triggered by certain things. And like on the whole, I wouldn't say I'm a very anxious person. But I would definitely say that, like, when I am anxious, how am I anxious? Like, it goes goes right through the roof. But um, I suppose for me, throughout the pregnancy, the anxiety would be focused more around, like, if I wasn't getting enough of something, I would be very anxious that that would then compromising my pregnancy. Mm. So if I wasn't getting enough sleep, if I wasn't getting that little bit of exercise that I'd need, if I wasn't eating right, if I wasn't drinking enough, if I wasn't resting if I wasn't doing anything so it was kind of I suppose at times it felt a bit like a vicious cycle in that you know I'd feel sick in the morning so I wouldn't eat breakfast yeah. then I'd get to work and I'd be knackered and then it'd be like right well you need to eat something to get a bit of energy but I don't want to because I feel mm. sick but you have to because the baby needs it yeah but the baby would be fine but the baby needs it and you're like well I can't do that because now I have a session so I have to yeah. go in and sit for an hour and kind of help and support somebody else so then you come out of that session and then like the anxiety is kind of building. Well, now it's been five hours since you've eaten mm. something. You really need to eat something. And then, of course, you're starting to feel more sick because you haven't eaten something. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it could, like for me, that's sort of how it built yeah. Um. To, over the day. And then, of course, now, when I would get a space in the day, I'd be able to talk myself off the ledge and just be like, "Will you just calm down, mm. Do you know, Um, because at the end of the day, the baby will take what it needs. Yeah. It's it'll take it whether you want to or not yeah. whatever stores you have it will tap into them the baby will be fine unless yeah. you are off ramming yourself into something all in all the baby will be fine yeah they're very resilient you know you're kind of you're trying to chat to yourself through this but then of course because you know the baby is fine you start to get annoyed with yourself for getting so hemped up about mm. it at the same time yeah so it's very oh, my God, i'm getting exhausted even thinking about it yeah
0: well <laughs> look i mean there's so much uh, you know it's it's crazy the amount of stuff it is, but why? Why then did you um, decide to set up the page then on Instagram?
1: So for me, it was kind of afterward. Um, I it was some, I was thinking about it all during the pregnancy. Um, I was like, God, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was a service that was just specifically for like the mental health of pregnant people? Mm. And thankfully, actually, the HSE have set this up now. So I don't want to sound like I'm slating everything all the time, but there is actually a service being developed and rolled across the HSE now. It's for perinatal mental health, too, as well. So it's just in case anybody's listening. It is there and it is available and referrals through GP, public health nurse and midwife. So um, afterward, I kind of started thinking about it and I was like, God, do you know, it it was really hard and i i would have like uh, i i love journaling so like i am um, like throughout the pregnancy when i was finding it really tough i'd sit down and i'd kind of write everything out just to try and help myself out and when i was reading back over it i was like god this was oh, it was really really hard and it was really lonely and quite scary kind of time and it came back to that thing of like Do you know what i can't be the only person who felt this or feels this so i was like right so then of course i had these big grand plans right I was, develop this whole service now and all this kind of crack you know in my postnatal high so once that all calmed down and the reality set in of like no no you have a tiny child to look after um i was like actually the easiest way i can probably do it is through instagram it's Mm. a public forum it's a platform you know all this sort of thing so i actually got in touch with a a girl that i did my masters with and because she had set up her own page and i asked her like how easy is it is it hard like what what do you think and she linked me in with the um, the content kind of creating uh, website canva so I went in I had a look and I was like oh I, just, I think I might be able to do this but then of course the nerve set in of like mm. oh god what if I only get like two followers or something like that you know um <laughs> but I taught myself like obviously my husband talked me around to it as well he was like but sure look if it doesn't work it doesn't work mm. I was like yeah do you know what actually that's true if it doesn't work I'll just take it down be fine mm. But people have been asking me since I developed it, you know, oh, how's it been going and that? I was like, yeah, no, I was like, it's going good. It's going good. I've had a couple of people message me directly and uh, ask me questions and, you know, getting like nice interaction and throughout it. And what I came back to was like, you know what? I was like, if I help one person yeah. out there, yeah. that's enough for me. Yeah. Like, You know, if just to have one person read it and be like, wow, yeah, that's that. it's normal. What yeah. I'm feeling is normal. Somebody else yeah. out there has felt it too as well. Yeah. So I suppose it's just trying to normalize the conversation and actually get mums talking and get like pregnant people talking to each other and normalizing that like it's shit. Pregnancy is so hard. It's not only hard physically, but mentally, because your head goes to so many different spaces, some of them helpful, some of them really unhelpful. And it's 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 getting those conversations going and out there so that like if there is a pregnant person out there that they're kind of like, oh, yeah, but I know this is okay because people have been talking about it or equally to know that you know what i know what's okay and i know what's not okay yeah and um, to sort of normalize it in the sense that they might help seek a bit quicker and i suppose i'm coming back to that idea that you want to try and reduce the incidences after birth because yeah. people have been supported throughout then as well
0: yeah i think that idea is is uh, i've said it a few times we have had people coming on who said that the reason they came on was to ju- if it would help one person and i think that's that's a great you know and it's great and the other idea of uh sometimes people just want to hear that what their experiences, experiencing is is normal you know and it's not like something completely that they're gonna add more and more pressure on their their mental stage you know because of it um so so what is uh what is jigsaw then
1: so jigsaw here's the real name so jigsaw is a <laughs> It's a, it's a free service for young people aged 12 to 25 so it's a brief um, intervention early intervention model uh, early intervention prevention model i should say that really what it's about is kind of mild to moderate mental health difficulties so stuff that young people might be struggling with but that is not necessarily kind of in the the moderate to high threshold that it's those it's the everyday stuff that jigsaw's there to kind of go in chat about it try and get some coping tools or even just a space just to talk about the problem and soundboard it off somebody too as well and so that you can get the tools and advice or support that you need to kind of help you in the long run that it's a more sustainable way that and I mean what's funny is that like I've had so I've worked in my place for five years now and I've had young people come back but over time so they might have come in in sixth class being really worried about coming into first year Mm. and the changes that that brings and everything like that and then I might see them again in third year and you know it's about like the exam stress and everything Mm. like that but you know they'll hark back to the first time they were in they were like yeah that really helped me then but I'm kind of finding that it's not those tools aren't helping me now so for me that's really nice to hear that like that you know whatever they were using they used it for over those years but because they've gotten older and they need more mature developed coping strategies because the ones that they use when they were younger don't quite fit the mark Mm. anymore so it's it's um kind of one to eight sessions of what young people get offered and i mean some people use the age some people just come in for one two it it's all very much individually based but it's very much whatever the young person brings to the table that's what you work on there's no diagnosis. Okay. It's not it's not a medical model. It's not any kind of thing like that then as well. So it's kind of a, a, a free, open, non-judgmental space. Yeah, young people,
0: I mean, I spoke to you just before we started recording uh, and we on the amount of times on this uh, podcast that it's come up that either myself or, or somebody who's come on has talked about, you know, education in the younger people and uh, like I said to you I don't know what's going on in schools Um, you know I know they're bringing I don't know, actually do you know uh, what they're doing in schools in regards to mental health
1: oh loads, Absolutely are they, yeah. loads. so like a lot of the schools so I suppose I can only kind of speak for the ones that are in in the locality of where yeah. I work but I mean there will be mental health days mental health awareness days there's a lot of um campaigns that will go on in the school there's a lot of anti-bullying campaigns rolled out too as well. There will be the LGBTIQ kind of days um, and then the anti-bullying of LGBTQI students as well. There's there's just they really have now I suppose where I am, they've really put a push on over the last few years. And to be honest with you, I don't know if it's because there's a jigsaw in the locality that it's kind of something that's more on the radar for a lot of the schools. But I would say nationally there's quite a lot of work being done too as well, just to bring awareness around mental health and that it's not something to be swept under the table there's nothing wrong with it everybody has mental health absolutely everybody it's not a a, a, an odd thing or anything like that it's not a rarity so i think it's about as you say sort of educating empowering young people to take control of their own mental health and decide what they want to have happen to it and let them have a say in their own mental health and what they want support in too as well
0: I I was think I was trying to think about when I read, uh, obviously, that you worked in Jigsaw and I looked up Jigsaw then. So I was trying to think back about when I was in school or when I first became aware of of mental health myself. And I think it was actually when the doctor said, I think you might have uh, some mild form of depression. And this was when I was about 24, roughly around that. And then I thought, like, maybe the only time that I had heard about mental health was about like, rock stars or you know somebody like uh, actors celebrities or whatever you want to call for want of a better word and like i always thought well like i can't have it because sure i'm only living in that loan or swords or wherever i was living at the time and like you know nobody knows who i am or anything i always associated it with somebody uh you know famous or whatever somebody with out of reach and i mm-hmm. suppose it's going back to what you say about uh, normalizing things like that normalizing things like uh you know everybody has mental health and everybody or some people will have depression some people have anxiety and some people won't uh need it but i can't imagine for a 15 year old though how important something like jigsaw is you know um the idea of just going in and talking is is it's it's awkward for a teenager like it's there's there's no getting around that but i think if they form a bond with one person you know, mm-hmm. uh, like whether it's sitting down with yourself or whoever it is to talk to, and they form some sort of a bond. It it does break down all those barriers, the barriers that they will have erected against their parents. You know, you know, and I, I can't, yeah, I can't uh, speak highly enough of something like that. And I think, uh, do you think actually that uh, as a as a whole, like of all your experience over uh, over uh, over the years, like, um, are we good at reaching out? Do you think?
1: mean like help seeking yeah i think we're getting better okay um like i suppose even generationally if you kind of look at your parents and then look at you and then like not you specifically but like and then look at the young people um like when i was a teenager i would not have spoken about Mm. like what was going on in my head absolutely not no way would i said it to anybody but I think young people these days, they're, they're a lot more educated than I was at their age in all realms. I think yeah. not just mental health, but I think like they're just they're just amazing. They're so well informed. They like they educate me <laughs> every day as to what's going on, too, as well. And I think sort of I think the schools have a lot to do with that. But I also think they themselves like they're they're hungry for information. They want information it's what kind of information they're getting is is really important so like when they kind of come into jigsaw so i suppose we go out to schools an awful lot so we do talks in schools and it's it's kind of a general chat about mental health really just kind of highlighting that it is a normal thing everybody has it kind of here's when it's not so good here's when it is good and here's when it's really bad so it's kind of just showing the different signs and symptoms i suppose of each scenario so that they know where to put themselves and yeah. know that right okay well I'm actually here so maybe I do need to go and chat to somebody so it's when they come in you know you're you're providing that space for them and like I just have to laugh a lot of the time if I had a euro for every time it said oh but you're the expert I'm like oh no 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 <laughs> yeah. no and like that is literally how I say it. I was like no yeah. I'm not the expert you are i just like, you tell me what Mm. you want to get from here and i will support you in trying to do that
0: absolutely you know and
1: it's like 99 percent of the time like the young people have the answers themselves they just need a space to kind of explore the problem Mm. and figure it out for themselves because they can and they do they do it all the time they figure out the problem you know it's it's there all the time so it's kind of just providing that space and support Mm. and like I suppose, again, I can only speak from my own hub, but like as for the five years that I've gone there, our referrals have only gone up Mm. over the years. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in that like, you know, the mental health of our area is is terrible. It's Mm. actually help seeking has gone up. So that's actually for me a really positive thing, because as I say, we're mild to moderate. Yeah. So, it's not like people are coming in in crisis. Yeah. It's actually people coming in who are help seeking, who are looking for that early intervention piece to talk about problems that are, are, are beginning to bother them. And they kind of, th- it's not that they can't handle it, they just need a little bit of a soundboard to, to figure it out. Hmm. So, I think that those numbers are really promising in regards to help seeking because we're not a crisis service. But in the other sense, it's actually showing that people are talking about mental health it is becoming normalized and going and talking about your problems and getting a bit of help is perfectly fine absolutely yeah and there's somebody there to do it there's somewhere you can go and do that and it's yeah. very accessible so to me the increase in referrals is not a sign of mental distress it's actually a positive sign of help seeking yeah if that makes sense
0: i uh, no, absolutely and i think you know the sad kind of state that maybe people our age have found themselves in they've come to the end of their tether and they're in such a bad way that they're ending up going into a, into see a doctor or a psychiatrist, whoever it is. It, it kind of, they're, they're at their worst state and the, the, the good, uh, I suppose the thing about Jigsaw and other organizations that do the, the, you know, the early intervention model, they have some sort of an education in it, some sort of a background where they can kind of go, well, I remember when I was 18 or whatever age they were. And they say, I remember when, when you know, Nicola told me this thing. And it, it pops up in their head. And they don't go all the way until they're, you know, at their worst state. Um, That's kind of my best way of describing it, I suppose. But where I was, I can, I can say that I got to the very, very end. And it was like a scary kind of thing. And I'd like to think that if I did have that little background where I had a, a space to talk when I was a kid or a teenager, I should say. Um, I, I think it's and actually where can they where can they find jigsaw actually if anybody's
1: so we the, the jigsaw is in 14 counties oh. um if you just go on jigsaw.ie and there's actually a map of ireland and you can just click on it to see where your your closest hub is okay. to you then as well but actually equally because of these unprecedented times that we are currently living in yeah. if you go on jigsaw online there's loads of resources online and there's actually um webinars and there's group chats that people can enter into too as well that are held okay. weekly and you know they'll pick a topic a specific topic to talk about in the group chats then as well and it's very open it's very accessible and there's an 1800 number there too as well if people oh, don't have a hub in their locality they can still access um and see where they can get support if if That's it isn't great. online they can they'll get signposted then
0: and what what have you been doing then like uh, which are from home how do you mean do you what have you if you do do you have to do zoom stuff do you uh, are you're yeah, you working from yeah. home so like
1: we're do, we're all oh, we're we're a teams gang so okay. we are microsoft teams <laughs> uh, so yeah so um, i do sessions over video over phone and then i work in the hub two days a week doing okay. face-to-face but obviously with all the maintaining of social distance and stuff we're actually quite lucky in that the rooms we have are are big enough that okay. you can do that space then as yeah. well for people who who might well I suppose for me because I'm just returning to work I would see new people and uh, it's kind of just nice for that first initial contact that you do it face-to-face where possible because it yeah. supposedly you're kind of putting a face to a name and you kind of yeah. you build up a bit of rapport there yeah. as well you know um it can be done over phone and video I just I suppose, personally, it's the type of work that we do. So it's where I'm kind of most comfortable as well. Yeah,
0: that's that's fair enough. So um, I, I looked at a little post that you put up and it actually just links into what you said there. So you have been, uh, your your son was born on Christmas Eve last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your son's name? Rian. Rian, okay. So he was born on Christmas Eve last year. You put up a post about letting go, right? Mm-hmm. And the kind of difficulties and you were giving obviously some tips what that space between where you you talk about you know obviously you were you were uh, on uh, maternity leave and now you've come back to work like was there uh, was there a space there where uh, you had to practice that kind of art of letting go
1: i believe i'm still practicing okay <laughs> Oh, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. I 100% underestimated how difficult it was going to be going back to work. I have a newfound respect for every parent going back to work. It's awful. (laughs) It's really, really, really difficult. And I suppose I can't like, I suppose I'm lucky in a way because I get to work from home a couple of days a week. Now to be fair, the type of work I do, I actually can't have rain in the house, anyway. But like he yeah. still goes and gets minded. But you know he's he's quite close by, and um, so he's not not too far away. But like that, oh, like the night before going back to her, I'd say I cried about five times during the day, and then I think I cried myself to sleep that night. And like the more I thought about it though, and I suppose I was trying to comfort myself in a way because the the, the big party, like the the critic in you, would be like you just have to go back like everyone else has done it you just have to do it you're not allowed to cry about it you just have to get on with it but then I suppose the more compassionate side of me was like but if you think about it like any parent who's going back to work they have gone from being with the child 24 hours a day seven days a week to being cut down to I'd say I have four hours maybe five so like that's a massive reduction. Now I understand that they were asleep for fair portions of it, never like that. But to me, I was like, it's it was such a shock to the system. Yeah. And I was very lucky in that I we were in a position where I could take the unpaid leave, so I actually had the extra bit of time too as well. Yeah. So he was ten months when I went back to work. So I was thinking to myself, like those poor people who have to go back after six months. I was yeah. Like, oh, it's awful. Oh, it's like it's like leaving your arm behind you. It's absolutely it's perfect yeah. so that whole piece of letting go it wasn't so much even just letting go of the time it was letting go of like the care yeah okay now he he's got to go to someone else to be looked after because like you definitely can't afford to just stop working that's yeah. not an option. so anyway.
0: yeah it's given given over i think i i talk about uh i talk about my anxieties an awful lot and i and a lot of it is to do with control and a lot of it is to do with my idea that if I fall out of uh, my um, very strict schedules that everything's going to completely fall apart. And the doctor has said to me so many times and, and you know, the, the counselors and all the people I've talked to have said uh, routines are a good thing for your mental health. Obviously, you know, get to sleep and all that, but not as strict as my mine are. And I, I, I was just, I was looking at that, the, the post you did about letting go. And I'm kind of like, I will and I I'm I'm working on it but it's it is very very difficult and it it doesn't matter what it is though like what you're talking about whether it's anxieties schedules and obviously you're talking about you're t- you you go back into work and things like that it's very difficult and I, and we I don't like to think I'm a control freak or anything like that mm. but it's just I think it's going to manage my anxiety anxieties when it's probably not and I'm just finding it very hard to let go of those things you know
1: yeah. It's just it's just fascinating like hearing you talk about like how you manage yours. Like I think the piece about anxiety and it's not just for you, it's 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 across the board. Like anxiety, the core of it is control. Because mm. if we feel out of control, our threat system is immediately activated. And that's where our anxiety comes from. Yeah. So like we like to be in control. Um like even if you find the most laid back person in the world, you know, they'll say, Oh no, it doesn't bother me, that'll be fine. That's their version of control. Yeah, their version of control is in the unexpected. They're like, yeah, but and so if you were to put them into a really restricted routine, they'd be like, I don't like this. It's too Mm. controlled. Yeah, (laughs) you know. So everyone has their different versions of it, and I think there's nothing wrong with having our own coping strategies. Nothing wrong with like you know liking things in a particular way, but it's it's having that wiggle room. Yeah, and I would kind of, I'd I'd link that to myself as much as I would in session too. As well, is that we're not saying to just fucking drop everything and let 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 get loose everything like that no because that's that's too much to ask of ourselves it's more about where is the wiggle room so just to kind of just it's literally just even if it's just an inch to the left and an inch Mm -hmm. to the right it's just a little bit of wiggle room then as well because we're very much we're creatures of habit we like black and white and i say this a lot is that we like it to be this or that we don't like things in the middle we don't like the gray area because that's what we can't control and that's where an awful lot of our unknown lies as well whereas like if i know i have a routine this is how it plays out and if i don't have a routine i need to do this to get the routine to find (laughs) something to do we don't like staying in the gray for very long and i think that's where we get caught when we start overthinking and we get stuck in like all the stuff that we don't have control over that's where the lines get blurred between the black and the white and yeah. that's where we lie in the uncontrolled and that's where our anxiety really heightens yeah. and we get as i say our threat system gets activated and then of course like it's just a mess after that then if you can't yeah. calm yourself down <laughs>
0: it's it's funny though but you know that you you'll have experienced this and i think most people will um when you are in that routine or something then you you do uh, dip your toe in the water as such to kind of break out of it and at the at that moment it does feel quite scary and you know you are but you are even more anxious, but there is that thing of it. It's quite nice when you do it. Like, do you know, mm. for the, for the most part, maybe not all the time, but I, I just find that sometimes it is quite nice when you do it. And if you, if you can get out of it, it's, it's definitely worth it. So, um, uh, I, I was, I asked this question to everybody and it's, it's a funny one because most people are kind of going, what are you talking about? But what do you like to do in your spare time? Cause most people don't have it.
1: Well, I might fall into that category. Yeah. <laughs> well no that's that's like no i do i do have have time and stuff like that um what do i do i love to read Hmm. i absolutely love reading um when i get a chance to when i get a chance and i get a really good book i have yet to find a really good book at the moment now i just i can't remember the last time i read it one that i wanted to devour yeah but oh no do you know what it was it was um oh what is it ophelia something is completely fine
0: Oh, I really
1: know. It's completely fine.
0: Yeah, I haven't read it, but I've, I know the book. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, Derek, get on that. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely it? fantastic. Oh, I just devoured it. I was like getting to the evening time. I was like, can I go to bed yet? Because so, <laughs> yeah. I can read, <laughs> you know. I think I'm reading, yeah, I'm reading Louis through at the minute. Ah, his, his,
0: his autobiography, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That, one, the, that one?
0: Yeah, I read that there recently, actually. I yeah, enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it's all right.
0: Yeah. All I, right. I like him. I like him. But, oh
1: no, I like, I like him. Yeah, no, yeah. he's very good. But like, yeah, the book. I kind of feel like I'm just reading the documentaries that I've already watched. There is a bit, and, at,
0: and I, I suppose maybe aiming that at the people who hadn't seen them, uh, you know. But I am. Um, I was I was listening to his podcast. He's a podcast out at the moment, and he's just interviewing celebrities one on one over Zoom, and it's actually really fascinating. He's got a he had a few brilliant ones in the last series. He's got a new one out now, but it's it's worth checking out actually. Um, I was actually going to add that, you know, the next question was, what is currently on your nightstand? But that's obviously what's it.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I've got Louis through, and okay. I've got the bubblegum for the brain then. So the lovely okay. chocolate shop in Paris. Yeah.
0: Okay. I don't know <laughs> that I one.
1: Read that. I read that when I don't want to concentrate. Right. And then I have Louis through when I want to concentrate.
0: Have you read any, um, oh God, what's her name? O'Neill. Louise O'Neill.
1: No, I've not read any in her stuff now. Yeah. It's a bit heavy.
0: Um. Yeah. <laughs>
1: the, well, I have I, to be careful. I have to be very careful as to what I read. Yeah, because it depends on how work is going. Okay, so that's why I have the the loveliest chocolate shop. So if mm. I've had a really, really, really bad day, I read that, so yeah. I don't have to think. And then, like, then there's other times when I'll read like really heavy stuff, as if I'm yeah. working. So I'm just like, I have to be very careful.
0: Do you know what I do actually, Nicola? I do the thing where if I'm in really good form and I'm like in a you know in a good place. I go straight to the heavy stuff because I can ha- handle it, you know. Yeah. But but then when I'm like I when I am if I'm down or something, I will tend to try and just pick myself up with just lighter stuff. Um yeah. that doesn't that, it but that, I think that's common sense though, isn't it?
1: I think yeah, like why would you do that? That's just like <laughs> banging your head off wall. like I feel really bad so I'll just go make myself feel worse. Yeah, feel I think like, I, that doesn't I, make sense.
0: I I just read a book about uh Manson Charles Manson and now I'm reading Louise O'Neill. As you do. Yeah. Um <laughs> as you do, yeah. It was even, it was, I've read a couple of books on him because I'm, I'm kind of interested about the, I think I'm more interested in the idea of how he managed to manipulate so many people mm. into doing what he wanted them to do. Yeah. Uh, but this one was kind of, it was more conspiratorial. I think it was more to do with like the CIA and how he, he, they could have been involved and stuff. It was interesting, but you know, you didn't take it too seriously. But I'm reading Louise O'Neill at the moment and uh, I bought three of her books and I'm just trying to get through them. But they are, they are heavy, like asking for it was one of them. That was a lot, to, but yeah. Completely necessary, a necessary book, you know, for for uh, for any time. But um, the one I'm going to start now, I have, uh, yeah, it's got it's something to do with silence. I put it up in the Instagram anyway. But um, yeah, it doesn't sound like it's very, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's very jolly either. I'll be honest. But
1: no, Jesus, you're saying that like you're full of fucking winter cheer or something. I know, yeah, can't wait, that to,
0: can't wait to start that one. But um, so like, so what's your favorite book? Then do you have one?
1: Oh, number one always is the Book Thief.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. The Book Thief is always my number one. I've read it about three or four times now. Oh. And then after that, it'll be Joseph Connolly's um, The Book of Lost Things. Haven't read that? And then, yeah. Oh, it's, it's really... It's very... Yeah. Um, It's sort of like grim fairy tale fantasy, sort okay. of. It's a little bit sinister, but yeah. you kind of wouldn't realise it when you're reading it. It's only afterwards and your brain yeah. starts going back to it. You're like, that was a bit weird. Yeah. But... Uh, no, I love, I love that. I love kind of um, I love Terry Pratchett books as well. Um, yeah, I suppose it kind of depends on yeah my mood. And that Ophelia Oliphant is mm. like, oh, it's just oh, it just warms the cockles of your. I heart. will,
0: I will. I go, I am going to check that one out. And I, I do. What's brilliant about people who are really into reading, and you speak to them, uh, they tend to cover a, a quite a wide range of different genres, you know, and. Uh, like even you're doing the lewd through on the the nonfiction. I read a lot of nonfiction and I try to mix it in with a bit of fiction. And um, I, I think that's the best way to read. I don't I wouldn't like to think I'd be stuck in a, a particular genre and just go right through it. And that'd be it then. Like and just wait until the next book by George or R. R. Martin comes out, whatever it is like, you know, I'm not picking on him, by the way. That's just he. <laughs> He popped into my head. Yeah, you will be waiting. I'm not. I I have never read any of his books, so it's it doesn't matter to me. Um, listen. One more question before we go. Um, are you a Christmas person? Yes. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, I love Christmas. It's weird though, as, as the years have gone on, I've, I find it kind of harder to to get into it. But I don't know if that's because I'm an adult. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of working up until that point then as well but I suppose yeah last Christmas I was waddling around the place so I was like just wanting to to get it done but um yeah. no it's oh no I'm very much I love Christmas love that's it.
0: deadly but I, I saw some of your photos I, that's why I asked I was thinking you were down in Galway um uh, yeah. with Damien and I just saw that some of the pictures and the lights and I, I haven't even seen the Athlone lights because I don't go into town at night um or anytime really <laughs> But <laughs> I just saw some of the some of the, some of the lights and uh, it just looked it looked very it's something quite romantic about that and I think Galway I you know I spent time in Dublin I, I went to school there and stuff but there's something quite nice about Galway I've always liked you know
1: oh sure now Tim will turned around to me after I put that up on Instagram he was like what's this first love shite I was like I was like Galway is my first love I'm sorry
0: oh I thought you meant him I thought you meant he was your first love
1: oh no Galway okay
0: it, sorry sorry Damien <laughs>
1: so He was there long before he was so. yeah
0: oh that is well I mean would that's a good see, cover
1: we, we would have a we used to have a tradition every Christmas we'd go to a Christmas market um, oh, okay. in Europe like so in Germany we've been to a few in Germany we went to um, Edinburgh one as well so every Christmas we would mm. book a trip away to go to the Christmas markets and sure like oh I'm like a child Throw yeah. me into the middle of a Christmas market and I'll be gone like yeah. you need to put rambling straps on me I'm very bad I'd be like <laughs> oh nice <laughs>
0: They're cool They're though.
1: Like
0: the Galway one was really nice. I went to that once. Um, I was just so full of anxiety that there were so many people there. I was like, I really didn't want to be there, but I just liked the idea of it. If there was no one there, it'd be class. <laughs> but um, <Yeah>. so this <laughs> that's is the spirit. That's the spirit. That's the Christmas cheer. Um, so this is like it's not Ryan's technically. It's not his first Christmas. No, this
1: is the thing. And everyone keeps saying, "Oh, it's his first Christmas." And yeah. like, it's his second Christmas, and it's his first birthday. So.
0: Yeah, I and mean, it's exciting. You know, he
1: was home on Christmas Day. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, that was quick. Oh, stop. I had the nurses badgered. Every time they came in, I was like, can I go? I was like, can I go? And they were like, when did you have him?" I was like, just after midnight. And they were like, no, you have to be here 24 hours. I was like, right, well, how long have I been here now? <laughs> they were like, six. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, yeah, I had them badgered. And then I got home Christmas Day, kind of afternoon time. Mm.
0: Well, so, look, it's it's exciting. And of course, I know he doesn't know about Santa yet and all that. That's fair enough, but... That's all to look forward to though. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Um Nicola, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um Thanks. We like to thank you very much for taking time out of your day. Um your day off, is it?
1: I have parental leave on Mondays, yeah
0: okay yeah well I'm sorry for cutting into it um but no
1: there you Derek oh yeah
0: it's, it's so real. I get a real te- I get a real abusive text message you know what no but it, it's been it's been it's been great having you on and uh, hang on for me there for a minute will you, until, until I just want to get a photo as well if that's no all right Thanks for yourself. um right I'll get through so uh thank you to John his family and to Megan thank you very much to Jer Calvin who's been added to the list here. Uh, my mom my dad my granddad subscribe to our youtube channel if you haven't done so already uh, or follow us on facebook instagram twitter we are on spotify apple anchor google podcasts is podcasts yeah that's it etc um and thanks everyone for listening in we'll be back on uh, next wednesday and keep an eye out on sundays and whenever i do the instagram ones i don't really have a plan so i'll just pop it up the day before and uh, see what happens so uh nicola thank you very much thanks yourself and- Thanks to everyone for listening and take care. Bye.